Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Bishop, thank you so much for joining us today. It, it, it is a complete honor for you to, to join us. Thank you so much for taking time. We know that you are a busy guy. And thank you for blessing us with your, your presence and time today. Do you want to take a second and, and, and say and greet our, our church? Hey, Lifehouse. I am absolutely thrilled to be with your pastor and with you all. I've heard so much about you all. You're doing such a great work in Newport News, and uh, we're really proud of you all. And so today is a real honor to be able to spend a little time with you talking about something that's become uh, quite the conversation here, especially uh, as of late. And uh, your, your pastor is taking a real leadership role in our community and in our region to help us to learn to walk together. And so I'm happy to be here, kind of just cheering him on. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in you all as well. And we're calling this a candid conversation because we want this to be candid, honest, open. I've, I've given Bishop the green light here to, to be candid and share with us. And, and, and before we get started though, I do want to to say if you think that this conversation would be beneficial to to the to, you know to um, to your friends and family we want to encourage you share share uh, share this on your Facebook page the church online page through text email message whatever you know if you think that this conversation talking about racism and injustice and the church if you think that this would be beneficial for you please take a second right now and share this and let's get as many people as we can involved with this conversation and and, and let's and let's do this thing together Bishop before we get started though I do want to say Congratulations on 30 years this year of Calvary Revival Church doing its thing within the 757, 30, 30 years. So when you guys launched 30 years ago, I was seven. So I pray that that, wow. that doesn't make you feel old, but at the same time, what a, what a impact for 30 years, man. Is there anything you want to share yeah. or, or say I'm about that? Excited, excited about that. Yes. Yeah. I think we calculated earlier that uh, you were, you were seven. Yeah. I was 30. I was 30 at the time. And wow. then we started and uh, this has been an amazing ride for us. And yeah. We're grateful for all that God has done. Happy to still be around. Yeah, man. Well, we definitely thank you for your kingdom work and your community work within the seven, seven, five, seven. And for all of the life change through Christ that we've seen. Thank you so much. But we are, uh, we're going to dive in. And, and really, Bishop, you know, Lifehouse Church is a diverse church. We, you know, and, and, and I've told you this privately, but, you know, we got black, white, Democrat, Republican, people that don't care about politics, rich, poor, teachers, police officers, construction workers, doctors, you name it, we got it. As, you know, you know, which is the same context as your church. And that's why I, th I, th I, th I think your voice is so pertinent for this time in the life of our church. Um, but the first question that I've got for you is, is how did we as the United States get to this current cultural moment 
where racism and injustice has taken center stage and how, how did we get to where we're at now from your perspective? Well, you know, Pastor, just down the road from your church, uh, I guess uh, August 20th, 1619, just uh, over 400 years ago, where it all started when the first slaves were, were brought to America. And I think we've had this, the issue has gone on for four centuries. Uh, sometimes when an, when an issue pops up on people's radar like it has now, it's as if it's a new thing. Um, mm. uh, the Breonna Taylors, the, uh, the, the George Floyd, it's, it seems new, but it's not new, it's old. Now, how did we get here and how did it get to be front and center for us? Well, people have a lot more access to information, to news, to video. And so I think uh, the, the information overload that we face has also pushed it front and center. But you know, Pastor, I think maybe more than anything else from just logistics is the pandemic. I think with everything closed, church, um, business, theaters, no no soccer, no baseball, yeah. no, I, I get depressed just thinking about it. <laughs> right? No sports, you know. No it's sports, like, no football. <laughs> Exactly, you know, but so, so I mean, we can do church online, but it's hard to do oh, sports it's, online. So yeah. we, it's like, you know, so we've had nothing to distract us from the things that are right in front of us. Mm. So this situation has faced Americans, and Americans have faced it without anything to distract or to dilute the uh, the harshness of what we face. Mm. So, so, so now building on that, what has been your personal experiences um, individually, corporately, community-wise, individually, systemically, as you've planted your church 30 years ago and some of the things you've seen as, as far as racism, what have you experienced or seen, observed with yourself or friends that, um, sure. that really... I think is an important part of this conversation is people is 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 people's experiences and what they've walked through and been through that honestly I think sometimes uh, we bypass and we yeah. just kind of want to get get to the stats and get 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 to these things and try to just dismiss stuff. But personally, what have you seen in your life, racism individually with you personally, but then corporately and systemically as you've been in the community working you've you know it, you know with the kingdom work and community work that you've been doing well I'll, I'll share a couple of things that i think may be pertinent for for the lighthouse family if i shared all of them we wouldn't have time <laughs> so i'll just share a i'll just share a couple of things but first of all lighthouse here's the the crazy thing with me i was five years old going on six when i started uh, elementary school East Tennessee, and uh, I know I look like I'm Pastor John's age, but actually I'm much older. So uh, I'll be 61 this year. So this was in 1965 or so when I started uh, elementary school. I was the first black kid to go to the school. Well, the KKK threatened my family if I actually went. I can't wonder why my mom kept hanging around when they dropped me out of school. I'm like, hey, can you guys go home? I'm good. But they knew of the threats and I didn't. So this was entering, this is when I entered first grade. 
And I was immediately placed in the slower class. The grades back then were usually divided up into an advanced class, an advanced group and a slower group. And so I was immediately, no testing, nothing. I was immediately slotted in the, in the slower class. So, uh, and, and that was a very interesting situation. Two, three weeks later, suddenly I was moved. Um, I thought, well, I guess they realized how smart I was. Actually, my mother visited the principal. And after they had a little come to Jesus meeting, <laughs> I got moved to a different class. And uh, when I and I, and then I became the I had, then I became the teacher's assistant. By Christmas, I was assisting the teacher in teaching reading to to the rest of the class. Now I would go on to be a national merit scholar and graduate from Massachusetts Institute of Technology, as you guys know. So so obviously there was no intellectual uh, issue with me being placed in the slower class. It was totally based upon upon race hmm. uh, so fast forward then to my coming to norfolk so when we first got property in norfolk and we wanted to build 10 acres of land and we were going to build in a predominantly uh, caucasian neighborhood <clears throat> and and the fight was so extreme that they 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 organized teams across the city of norfolk to gather names, to get enough names on petitions to stop us from building so that it would force it to a citywide referendum. And the, it would be the first time in the history of Norfolk that people went to vote to decide if a church could build or not. Wow. Because the city council and the planning commission, everybody was on my side. It was a perfect place for the building. We were following everything by the book, but they fought us because they said their property values would, would go down. Um, so it's, it's, I share those two stories, guys, just to say that my experience shows that a lot hasn't changed from 1965 to that was probably 1995, uh, 1998, uh, over that 30 year period, not a lot had changed. And uh, I think that's part of what we face today. And the church, I believe, has a significant role to play in bringing real change. Mm. How important do you think it is for for people, right, mainly white 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 people, to sit down and listen to experiences from our black brothers and sisters, right? Because honestly, I I I think. You know, personally, if 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 we just kind of turn on media and turn on Facebook and and you know you know and you know and sit behind our keyboards and kind of just be keyboard warriors, instead of actually going and sitting down and talking to and listening, you know how how important do you think that is uh, in helping people understand intellectually what's going on? Yeah. Okay, so first of all, let's put Lifehouse in context because you guys are not a church full of baby boomers. So you guys are, you know, you guys have a huge um, number of Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Zers. So you guys are a younger church. So my, my guess is that you guys have had a lot more conversations with people who don't look like you than maybe your parents or your grandparents did. Mm. So I want to start with that. I, I need to first applaud you all because you're 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 different. You're not the norm. I'm not going to profile you. Uh, you're you're very different, and you've already begun those conversations. Let me tell you why the conversations that you all have begun are important. Because usually racism is a result of of 
lack of understanding and ignorance. Mm. Normally, it's just that we don't know one another's story. And that's why we sometimes feel the way we do, come to conclusions, false conclusions, even the conclusion that this person is not going to like me. That's mm. the, that's driven by a racist thought that this black person is not going to like me or this white person is not going to like me. Well, I'm making a decision based solely upon upon race. Well, how could I fix that? Have a conversation with that person, and suddenly I find out that they actually they actually do like me, um, or at least they don't dislike me. They haven't got a chance <laughs> to figure it out all out yet. It has nothing to do maybe with my color, maybe yeah. just getting to know who I who I am. Mm -hmm. So I think, Pastor, that those conversations that you all as a as a team and as a church are already having are critical to what is changing and what is happening because the church's role in promoting racism has been huge therefore the in the redemptive work of of christ that means then our our role in fixing it has to then be huge mm. so so let me share with you personally um the journey that the that I've been on, and it's going to tie into a question. Okay, so, okay, um, yeah. you know, I shared with our church uh, probably about three three weeks back about how personally I grew up in a bubble. Okay, my bubble was I only had black friends. Like I didn't have no white friends. Like, I mean, it was it was it was just like I I gravitated towards hanging out with black people. I I enjoyed them hanging out hanging out with them. And the thing was within my bubble, I did I did not see I did not see racism. Okay, but like I said, that was that was my bubble, right? I just 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 inside of my little bubble, it was like okay, Martin Luther King Jr. He did the civil rights movement. And, and he won rights for black people. It's all good. It's great, man. In my little sphere, you know, great. And really, honest, like, you know, honestly, if you would have said, John, do you, you know, it, it was just like, John, do you think that racism exists? You know what I would have said? Man, look how far we've come. No. Look how far we've come. No. But at the same time, I've realized that that was just my bubble. And there, were, and, and there were black brothers and sisters around me carrying burdens that were, that were outside of my bubble that I had no clue that I could have had the opportunity to help them carry and really, and really even be a voice for them. So what would you say to people like me, right, who were there and possibly they're saying things they're, they're saying or thinking things like, look how far we've come. Like, like yeah. just, just, and then I mean, yo, like, like, let's celebrate how much we've seen happen. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit here and there, but it's not that bad. You know, what would you say to people that, that, that think like that? Well, you know, John, I would start with, the, with a little, a deeper thought that you alluded to. And that is that oftentimes people who are in your, in your position, in your place, having had your experiences, no, don't necessarily come out and say, hey, everything's fine, but they often say, hey, I don't have an issue with people of another color, and I'm not racist, and it's true, but the fact that you don't have it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, Right. and, and I think that's the breakthrough moment for a lot of 
uh, a lot of Christians, especially uh, white Christian millennials and Gen X and Gen Xers, is recognizing that because you all feel different, because you're changed, because your heart, you have lots of different friends who are brown and black and all, all every color in between. That that then that gives this this sense, this facade that the problem doesn't exist because it doesn't exist for you. Now, that's not a negative. It's actually a very positive way to start because mm. if you're if you have the uh, the mindset that your pastor has, then what you do is you say once you realize it really does exist because you do love people and you do have different relationships, then all of a sudden you feel like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about this because, Hey, I don't feel that way. And I'm not going to be one of these people that let you assume that I do when I don't. Mm. So I'm going to speak up and, and say something. Mm. So let me ask you this, right? As, um, what, what, what can, how can our white brothers and sisters, um, see, make sure that I say this right away, or, or what, what do our white brothers and sisters, including myself, need to know about what our black brothers and sisters feel right now and have possibly felt for a long time, if, if that makes sense, right? Like, you know, if, if you were trying to explain and speak to, you know, to, to white brothers and sisters, um, and possibly this could be a first conversation for, for them, right? Yeah. Uh, of, of, of so. you, know, you, know, you know, possibly in their context, they don't, you know, right. they don't, you know, they don't, you know, you know, they don't have black friends or something like that. This could be a first good introduction for them to, to hear. So what would you say to them about what our, our black brothers and sisters feel? So we'll start here. And uh, let me just say, guys, that I know this sounds a little elementary, but I, it, it just needs to be said and I'll share why. All black and brown people haven't had the same experience. And therefore all black and brown people don't feel the same about everything. So I wanna make sure that everybody understands that there's just like with, with, uh, with white folks or or Asian folks or whoever, every, within those contexts, there are Republicans, Democrats, uh, rich, poor, professional, uh, white collar, blue collar. So, so therefore, I can't as one man speak for every person of color. So here's what I can say to you, because this is true no matter what color you are. What becomes important is empathy. And so if you are a person, no matter what color you are, you may be the person who is, who is a person of color who's never experienced racism, and you also need this too. You need empathy as well. Uh, for, for me, having grown up in a bubble similar to your pastors, um, I had to learn empathy too because I grew up in middle-class situation, integrated, went to MIT. So there's certain things that, uh, that uh, there's certain privilege that I have that other folks of color may not necessarily uh, necessarily have. It might, it, it shocks some of my baby boomer white friends when I tell them that I've been pulled over for DWB, driving while black, 
no for no reason i'm driving a red pickup truck guys mm-hmm. and, you know but this this you know i'm obviously not a uh, a long-haired guy with you know <laughs> a, there's no dreads i couldn't i tried but they just didn't have another hair so so I, you know so i've been pulled over and just told well you look suspicious i was driving the speed limit with my 15 year old son going to basketball practice in a pickup truck how's that happen so so there's this issue of empathy and empathy has two sides it's emotional and it's cognitive mm. here's where you begin that's so you good. begin by saying I want to feel what you feel. And because we're Christians, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us do that because that's what our Lord did. We got saved because of empathy. Amen. What did he do? He felt what we feel, even though he never had the experience of falling into sin. uh, But he became a man like us, became human, and experienced temptation and weakness and tiredness and hunger. That's so good. Empathy. You're preaching now. You're preaching now. So, so, so the start, guys, is empathy. It starts emotional empathy. That is feeling what I feel, and then bring cognitive empathy. That is, then you bring your resources in to say, now what can I do Mm. to make a difference? And this is the this is the beginning conversation. It's the ability to share to have empathy for people who face injustice. Wow, that is, that's powerful stuff there. Um, so I want to, I'm, you know, to, tra- to transition to the church, okay? okay. So, in, in, you know, so not forgetting what we've said, but I think that we would both agree the church has got to play a part in this. Like, and, and we've got to play a big part but um, and, and and that's why I'm like, okay, okay you know, first off, I, I think, though, the church has has to almost own up to where we have fallen short within this conversation and within within racism and injustice and really own up to the part that we have played, whether whether it was by commission or by omission right what we did do or you know it's sending by what we did do or sending by what we didn't do and so how do you see how has the church been complicit or how has the church not helped things in regards to eradicating racism and and eradicating injustice and speaking up and, and and fighting for it okay so let's talk about it for a moment and 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 let me say because we as a Lifehouse family are, are extremely diverse. Let me start out by saying that it's so easy to feel a little bit defensive when it seems like generalizations are being made. Mm. What should, when we say, what should white people do? Or what should, <laughs> and, and you're sitting there uh, white saying, I'm already doing stuff. So, right. so really, um, the, the other part of that conversation is when we talk about the church being complicit, Lifehouse hasn't been complicit in promoting racism. And so it would be very easy. Well, we're not like that. We're different. But you guys already know I get that. So you don't need to be defensive with me. I already know that you're that you're very, very different. But your pastor's question is still relevant because you can now represent a church that's woke, a church that uh, that gets it. And you can understand then why 
Oftentimes, African-Americans feel like the church in America has been against them because even as early as the 1600s, laws were being written that said, we can still, we can lead Africans to Christ, but it doesn't make them free. Uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, as early as probably 1685, 1695, the missionaries from the Anglican church wanted to win the Africans to Jesus, but they said, if we win them to Jesus, then there's going to be they're a problem. The Bible. Now they're, they're free, <laughs> so you'll have to set them free. Wow. And so what will that do with slavery? So Anglican men who made up the Virginia House of Delegates, this is prior to the formation of the United States of America, said, we're going we're gonna to make a law. The law says you can win them to Jesus, but they're still slaves, and they stay slaves for the rest of their lives. And the church accepted that. If the church had said, no, that's just not right, we're not doing that, we'd have ended this thing a long time ago. Mm. And the same thing happened all the way through the 60s. The church was either involved in maintaining racism and segregation or was silent on the issue. And I'm going to say, Pastor, this is just Courtney's opinion, that the silence of the church is more hurtful than mm. the things that the church may have done, because that might have been a minority of the church. But the majority of the church, white, evangelical in America, was and remained silent. Hmm. It's hard to hear, you know. Um. Uh, well, it, sh- it shouldn't be, though, because that's not you. But it's, but it's people that you can influence and help them understand, hey, guys, why is it that we speak up? I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm one of these OG conservative guys. You know, we want to talk about same-sex marriage. Man, I got something to say about that. You know, we want to talk about protecting the lives of the unborn. I got, I'm going to talk about that because these things are important to me. These are principles for me. So my friends who feel the same way, I'm saying, guys, why, if, if, if we're going to be all in for protecting mm. babies in the womb, can we not be all in for protecting them after they get out of the womb mm. and from police brutality or from, I mean, can we just be consistent wow. with our love for life? Um, mm. Can we just be consistent with that? It's not. So there are people who struggle with first admitting that America is built on a racist, uh, systemic, uh, racist um, economy and therefore philosophy. There's a struggle. I know it hurts, and I'm American too. It hurts me to say it, and I'm black, and I have a hard time saying it mm. and accepting it, but it's true. Uh, but the quicker we come to truth, the quicker, well, what did Jesus say? You'll know the truth. The truth will set you the free. truth will make you free. Mm. And, that's where, and that's where I think our biggest move is, Pastor, is when we as the people can say, hey, this is wrong. We admit it. We're not having it. Mm. So... What does that actually look like practically, right? On, on, on kind of a person to person in the trenches, church, church level, right? Because, you know, one of the things that I have heard said is that we just don't want a surface diversity. We just don't Absolutely. want, oh, look, we got black people, white people, Asian, and we just all happy and great and good. But, but, but it's surfacey there is there isn't that deep-rooted, deep-seated spirit of, of, of Christ-like unity 
where people know each other's stories, share each other's burdens, feel what each other's feels, like you said, empathizing and, and really being a deep-rooted, connected family. So what, what practical steps does that, does that look like on both sides to help bring racial reconciliation, healing, understanding, ultimately being what the church started as a, a diverse right. a diverse movement what it's going to conclude as revelation 7 right so so now in this in this in between stage what are some practical steps that it actually looks like to to see healing begin healing continue and healing ultimately happen well i'm happy to hear you make the statement you made about contrived diversity you know, we got two black people, two white people, two Asian people, two Hispanic people on the worship team. Are we even? I've often said that diversity is the bone that oppressive people throw to minorities to get them to be quiet. And it's mm. uh, because diversity is, is oftentimes is a transition in appearance, not a transition in power. Wow. And so, heart too, right? So, so what we got to do is make sure that we are sharing power, sharing authority, mm. uh, sharing love and light, not sharing optics and appearance. Mm. So for me, pretty simple. Starts with what I told you earlier. It starts with empathy. And I think it's not just the church. Can't, it's not like a church program. It's every individual kind of has to do this on their own. Mm. So you start with uh, be empathetic. Then the next thing is be informed. So one of the things I've been asking my brothers and sisters to read is The Color of Compromise. Mm. This, the book gives a historical view of the church in America. And it's not, you know, somebody trying to blast the church or blast white Christians. It's not, it doesn't have that. Uh, it doesn't come across that way at all. But it is, a, it is factual and it's real. And it helps people to come to this place of being informed. Because once you start to say, I'm going to be empathetic, then in order to be empathetic and efficient, you have to be informed. Mm. So my challenge is then to be informed. So there's a book also for those of you who are brave of heart, there's a book called White Fragility, Why Whites Struggle with the Discussion of Racism. It's kind of tough, but <laughs> you know, I think you guys can handle it. Mm. But if you just read a little bit of it, because it does help you understand why it's sometimes hard why you're so quick to say well that's not me i don't feel that way and my parents are raised that way and i got friends that are black why that becomes the first part of the conversation it'll kind of help you process you so and then the third thing is then um be visible you know mm -hmm. be visible in the life of your children mm -hmm. grandchildren nieces and nephews because if you'll be visible in the lives of your children, then you can help them understand that racism is real, that America is not a level playing field, that that's a, that's a game people play to feel better about the situation, mm. that this is an uphill battle for people of color in most settings and most situations. And your visibility in children's lives to help them understand the truth of it all will make all the difference in the world. John, I tell, I told uh, one of my buddies, I said, listen, when you talk to your kids, don't tell them that, look at Bishop, Bishop with the MIT, Bishop's an engineer, Bishop's successful. Obviously, black people got it made. Look mm. at Bishop. I said, don't tell them. I said, here's what I want you to tell your kids. Tell your kids that Bishop's parents gave him the cheat code. 
I cheated the system. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I, I cheated the system. You know, mm -hmm. my parents said, you're going to have to work five times as hard as everybody else in order to be accepted as, as good as them. You'll have to be five times better. My parents taught me that as a child. Can you imagine being told those things as a kid? That uh, being as good is not going to work. You're going to have to be ten times, five times better. Mm. It's a cheat code. You, mm. you know, you you can't uh, you can be you can be uh, culturally conscious, but you can't be culturally controlled. So don't mm. don't wear that dashiki in that business meeting. Don't you don't you do it? <laughs> you know, this is this is my parents. You know, because yeah. if you're gonna get that, if you're gonna get nominated for this or elected for this, you're gonna have to learn how to look the part and speak the part. Cheat codes. Mm. The cheat codes tell you that there's something wrong with the system. People say, we got to fix the system. system ain't working. No, actually, John, the system is working just like it was designed to work. Mm. Some guy signed a document that I love called the Declaration of Independence. And when they signed it, they said, part of our declaration is that all men are created equal. But some of the guys who signed it had people chained up in their backyard. Mm. So if that's the Declaration of Independence and all men are created equal, then there was a decision made that day that some people are not men. Therefore, the system is working just like it was designed. Hmm. It's designed to keep the people who are not really human from having the all are created equal thing working in their life. That's how the system was designed. Hmm. Doesn't So the system doesn't need to be fixed. The system needs to be changed. Hmm. And it starts in the hearts of it starts in the hearts of people. Hmm. Um, I, I hope I didn't say. I hope I didn't say too much. I hope I wasn't too candid. Did I cross the candid Bishop, barrier? Bishop, we've given you full clarity here, brother. You can you can be you say you because honestly, man, like we've we've got to create space to be candid, honest, yeah. and share and share pers perspectives while at the same time giving giving people permission to to ask the wrong questions because it's just like honestly right. i think some people are are just scared to have a conversation because they're even scared to ask a question you know and, and really at, especially as christians like y'all we've got yeah. to create safe spaces have yeah. grace make room at yeah. the table just like you said as jesus did for us he gave us space yeah. to come and figure out what it means to be in relationship with God. Let me ask you this, right? As we're trying to see, to foster and see reconciliation happen, true deep, deep unity happen with, within the church starting out, I, I think personally one of the biggest hindrances to that is blind spots. Is just how whether you're black, white, whatever, there are probably blind, blind, blind spots that, that are, you know, that's kind of like whenever you're driving your car, you can see, but you've, you've got spots that are there, but you just don't even know that they're there. On the, you know, on, on the black side and the white side and calling it sides, that, that's not right. Have grace with me as, as I'm processing through this conversation. White people, black people, we've got <laughs> blind spots, right? But what do you see as the possible blind spots on both sides that maybe we need to be aware of? Okay, so, so, so I'm gonna, I'm going to morph your question just a little bit. But help, you have this, help me, Bishop. This, but, I, I'm young, man. But, I'm new but, at this but, thing. But but you're the pastor, and I'm totally submitted to your authority. <laughs> Whatever, you Just man. take me right back where you want me once I finish. But let me just say this, because I think it's helpful. We talked about being able to ask the right question. So oftentimes I think what happens to some of my, my white friends 
is that there's almost like they're they feel like they've been muzzled like i'm scared to say anything because i don't want to say the wrong thing i don't want to offend anybody so there's a number of questions that i like to just put them out there because i know oftentimes my friends at least the ones my age now you guys are younger you may not have these questions but but your parents do so we'll, we'll help them out so here's the deal oftentimes it feels like we're just putting it all on white people just is all on you. You need to get it together because mm. you guys are racist. You need to fix this. It's just <laughs> all on you. And I know if, if you are a person and you're think you can't, you don't want to say that. I, I, that's why Bishop is saying it for you. So you don't have to say it. <laughs> all on, it's all on us. Why is it all on us? Okay, so here's the principle, guys. Because whites began the oppression, then they're the only folks that have the authority to fix it. Mm. That, that's why it's all on you mm. because because that's where it began. Uh, it's not a really color issue. It's just a it's just a matter of um, of, of order, you know. Mm. Um, Adam uh, Adam was the one who started this, and so the son of Adam, Jesus, Boom. had to fix it. So the angels couldn't fix it. That's good. Son of Adam had to fix it. Preach it again. So, so, so guys, that's what it is. It ain't it ain't about you being bad. It's just that that's the order of things. That's so good. Since the oppression began. So Africans didn't just come over on the Mayflower. They were brought over through oppression, sold here by people who were not African. So therefore, that's where the start, that's where it began. Okay, so here's another question that my white friends often have. And I know hard to, well, aren't black people racist too? Yes, but you can't say that. Okay, that's, a, that's just one of the codes. You can't say that because you'll start things off wrong. It's true. There's racism on both sides, mm. and we have people who like to say, "But it's bad on bad on both sides." It's not the issue. The issue is who has to start this, who has to start moving, because the person you can't put the expectation on the person who's been to be the person to fix mm. the issue of oppression. In, in other words, you cannot oppress a person, no matter what color they are. You cannot oppress someone, and then and extend that fixes it and feels right and gets their heart right. It's almost like if a, if a husband was to abuse uh, his wife physically. Mm. It, you, you don't walk in court saying, but she doesn't like me either. Well, I guess not. So <laughs> right. you, 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 you don't, you, nobody says that. Your lawyer says, you're an idiot. Did you just really just, right. did you really just talk about her feelings toward you well she has the right to those feelings because she's been she's been abused mm. but if she's a christian she should forgive yeah but the person who's abusing her doesn't get to say that mm. to her mm. that, yeah does that make a little more sense yeah. guys yeah so so i think some of it pastor is those things that loom in the back of our head so since I didn't do anything, here's another question. Sometimes that if a person is not a person of color, and I said, well, but I, but I didn't personally, I've never done anything. I know, but you get to help. Yes. It, even though you, and, and I'm not coming to you because you did something. Mm. I'm coming to you and I'm not coming to you because I'm holding you responsible for what your great, great grandfather did because you're not responsible for that. But you get the privilege wow. of being able to turn it around wow. because that's how the redemptive power of the gospel. Come on, man. You get me hyped now. Getting to this gospel stuff, man. This is this yeah, is powerful. I, I, that's that's the part I love because that's where the change really takes mm. place. 
because the change is in our heart. Now, then the other issues too, Pastor, people say, well, can real people really change? I mean, just changing laws and protesting and boycotting. I mean, people in their hearts are going to still, yeah, but you can't, that's a, that's a perspective that while that's true, but it cannot be the overarching perspective. What if we applied that to robbery? Um, you know, what, what if we said that about, about robbing banks? Well, you know, hey, I know that, you know, people talking about having laws against robbing banks, but I mean, the heart's got to change. So, you know, <laughs> just let them keep on robbing the banks until their hearts change. No, there's got to be a law that says, even if your heart ain't right, we're going to arrest you. <laughs> you know, <we're> just, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so the same thing is true with this issue. We've got to, we got to deal with it. We can't just make this an issue of the heart so mm. people can do what they want until their heart changes. We got to, that's not justice. Uh, justice demands righteousness, whether you want to or you don't. It's you still got to do what's 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 right. Mm. Let me close out with this, Bishop, and then to if if um, if you want, I'll give you the opportunity to share closing thoughts if if okay. if you want to. But this is the final question that I've got: is okay. is just as you look forward into the future, what gives you hope what what <laughs> gives you hope right because i think sometimes we can get so caught in the kind of like here and now and we sincerely need visionaries the you know kind of like martin luther king jr who said do you know what i can see the mountaintop i can see it i might not get there with 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 you but i see it right it, you know what what do you as you as you look into the future what what gives you hope in regards to this conversation? I'll start by saying this. If we were in church, I would just ask everybody, after I say this, I want you to clap. I want you to just say, thank you, Lord. But since we're not in church, I'm just going to ask everybody <laughs> after I say this, I just want you to I'll smile. clap for you, okay? Kinda, Ready? And kind of, that'll, that'll work too. Okay. I right. just want you guys at home, wherever you are, after I say this, I want you to just smile and then your breath and say, yes. First thing that gives me hope, is looking at John Ware Jr. and Lifehouse Church in Newport News. That's where my hope starts. I guess I'll clap for myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and God, listen, guys, I'm not just goofing around. I mean that. The fact that you all are a different group of evangelicals. You're you're a group of brothers and sisters who are not just going to hang everything on one sin or two but that you actually see issues of injustice as sin and something that the church ought to be vocal about. Mm. That's where my hope comes from. Because the truth is, if you all will speak up, everything will change. Mm. Did you guys notice that the real, the real move started when folks who were not people of color started marching in cities, started protesting in nations around the world? You hold within you all, you hold within your heart the key, and you are my hope that change will come. I don't think it'll actually happen in my lifetime. Mm. Like, not what I really hope for, but I do think it will happen in yours. And Amen. so I'm hopeful because you live, you exist, you even allow me to have this candid conversation with you. You're even thinking about reading a little bit and, and talking and having some conversation and not making this a contrived superficial deal, but something where you really start to work on relationships. Because really everything rises and falls 
on relationships. That's how we got saved, by having a relationship uh, that made the difference. And so it's the way God does everything. He does it through relationships. And so I'm, I am so excited about the future, but I'm excited because of you and what God's going to do through you guys. And thank you all so much for letting me talk to you today. Amen. Bishop, any closing closing thoughts that you want to share or any anything that we you know that we didn't uh, that we didn't cover that you feel like needs to be said or, or or should be covered? It's going to take time. So that's why a conversation like this you can't get it all. I didn't tell you everything I I know or think you should know because conversations like this that conversation takes time and the transformation takes time. Yeah. Give yourself some time. Yeah. Um, I want to encourage people of color who are in the congregation to give folks a chance. And I know you will, because you wouldn't even be there if you weren't that kind of person. So give folks a chance to make some mistakes. Give them permission to maybe say it wrong or not get it exactly right or come across a little. Give them permission to do that, because when you do that in love, it enables people to get it right and mm. to, give it, to give it a shot and to start having candid conversations about and ask questions about how you feel about this or how you feel about that mm. because oftentimes people have been told something that's not true and so rather than believe a myth let them have a conversation with you the, so that you can give them the real truth and those of you who just happen to be Caucasian know this that God has put you in an amazing amazing posture to help bring about change and together we can make it happen. Amen, Bishop. This has been awesome, man. Honest, honestly, man, and, and, and really, truly, I believe it is the first of conversations. We really pray that, that this conversation moves forward. There's grace given, empathy given, understanding given, but ultimately that we would be in one accord going forward and saying we want to strive that we get the blessing and the opportunity of like you said having a chance to play a part in getting this thing right and uh and seeing the kingdom of god be what the kingdom of god of god is a place for everybody a place yeah. for people to to be yeah. equal uh strive to to see flourishing happen human flourishing happen and 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 so and so thank you so much for jumping on here with us and, and dropping Thank bombs you. on us, man. We really, really appreciate it. We appreciate your voice and 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 closing out. Would you, would you just mind praying over us and and, no, and praying over you. us as a church as we progress forward? Um, praying that we would keep on being courageous and having these com these these conversations. That there would be grace given, empathy given, all these things that you talked about. But ultimately, the Absolutely. the true, deep seated Christ like unity would be a part of our uh, church, would you would you close us out in prayer? Absolutely. Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. God. Thank you for John and his leadership team. Thank you for these amazing brothers and sisters who make up Life House. It is, as its name says, it's the house where life exists. And I thank you for that life. And I pray, Lord, that they will do the thing that most changes the world and challenges the enemy and that is continue to walk in love together mm. i pray father that they will 
encourage and strengthen one another through this season. I pray, Lord, that there'll be a strong spirit of empathy, but I also pray, Lord, there'll be a strong sense of uh, of preparation mm. and in information and being vocal and not being afraid to speak mm. up. I thank you, Lord, for the strength and power that comes from your spirit yes. to help us do warfare. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's right. Our battle is against principalities and spiritual wickedness and mm. high places and rulers of the darkness. And we thank you that we are prepared with the right weapons yes. and the shield of faith mm. in order to win this battle. And we boldly declare that it is already won yes. in the powerful yes. name of Jesus. And so we give you honor and glory for this. And thank you that Lifehouse will be a driving force mm. in bringing change in America to the issue of injustice and racism. We speak blessing over them mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.